I have a very simple message for you today. But I pray it will bless you. I pray it will encourage you. I pray it will strengthen you even in its simplicity. There is nothing profound about it at all. Probably nothing that will be new to you. But uh, I tend to think that the most important spiritual issues are not complicated, but neither are they easy. Amen? I can also tell you this. This message comes from the heart of a pastor who truly wants to lift you up and once again points you to Jesus. You've heard me say this before, that in a very, very general sense, at least in my mind, I've not particularly heard anybody else describe it this way. There are two basic types of sermons, not necessarily in a homiletical or, or hermeneutic sense, but just in, in a much general sense. I think there's the sermon that brings the word to you. And then I think there's the sermon that asks you to come to the word. I know it's a general approach that, that I encounter every time I sit down to prepare to, to speak with you. Which, which is this? The sermon which asks you to come to the Word is typically uh, a sermon uh, calling you to once again come to the standard of the Word of God. It's the sermon typically is going to say, no, the bar is up here. It's not down here. The bar of the Word of God is up here. This is the mark of the high calling according to Scripture. We must also, all of us, ask God to give us the grace to aspire to it and to measure up to it. But that's a sermon typically of, of realignment, readjustment. Lord, this is something that you need to deal with or I need to deal with in my life with your grace. But then the sermon which brings the Word to you, in my mind, is it's, it's a message of comfort, a message of encouragement, and a message of hope. Such is what we have today, and all of God's happy and relieved people said amen. amen. Are you happy and relieved? Amen. Good. As a church, we are currently reading through the book of Psalms midst some other uh, books of poets as part of our journey through our, our um, Bible reading together, our daily devotional reading together. And though we're not quite there yet, we will soon come to a unique grouping of psalms known as the Songs of Ascent or the Psalms of Ascent. They are psalms that are songs, and they were used in that way. Those phrases are interchangeable. I have discovered that there are also other names given to this group of songs as well, such as gradual psalms, songs of degrees, Songs of steps, songs for going up to worship, pilgrim songs. And I think many of you know it is, a 15, it is 15 sequential psalms from Psalm 120 to 134, which were sung by the people of God as they ascended the road up to Jerusalem to attend the festivals. That's the most common understanding. I'm going to also tell you that biblical scholars also give us other ideas as to the purpose of these psalms. Things like, they could be the songs that were sung by the Levite singers as they climbed the steps to minister at the temple in Jerusalem or at the dedication of the temple. Other historians will say uh, that, that these were the songs composed for the celebration of Nehemiah's rebuilding of Jerusalem walls. Some others say these are the songs that were sung as the people of God came back from captivity from, uh, from uh, Babylon, and they were coming back into Jerusalem. Whatever the case, clearly they are songs to be sung while climbing, songs while you are ascending, going up. 
Dr. Marty is in the middle right now, of, and she's doing a brilliant job of exploring these songs of ascent with her Wednesday Night Live uh, Bible study. I think she has like another six weeks to go. Uh, her teachings are on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, and you, you should avail yourself to that. Songs to be sung while climbing. I think most of us would say that life can often seem like an uphill climb. Is there a witness to that in the house today? Three of you? Okay, the rest of you? Glad it's gone well for you. And the way it happens for most of us is this. As you come to the crest of one hill, thinking that you're just about finished with this climb, thinking that, that you're out of shape like Pastor Brent admitted, that was such a blessing to me to hear him say that today. And that the climb is about over, but you get to the crest of the hill only to see that there's one even steeper right beyond that that's still ahead of you. Now, let me be clear about what I'm doing this morning, what I'm trying to communicate to you today. I'm not necessarily endeavoring to exegete any of these psalms of ascent. What I want to do, rather, is to take the idea of why these songs of ascent were given to us today and apply it to our lives accordingly. I think the reality of it is this, whether you had just admitted it a moment ago or not, we are all in an uphill climb. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Now, an uphill climb is, it's a relative thing. It's not the same for everybody. My uphill climb is very different than your uphill climb, and yours is different from mine and from, and from other people. I remember when um, our kids were much younger, like maybe late elementary or, or middle school, and they started experiencing some of the real struggles in life, like grades. Um, peer pressure was a, was a real issue. Homework load, oh my goodness, that was, that was a struggle, that was an uphill climb. And probably the biggest of all is what shoes am I going to wear tomorrow? That was an uphill climb, folks. It was all an issue. And I know that both of them at one time or another said something to me like this. As they were being overwhelmed by their pressures of life and the stuff that was on them was real to them, I understand. But they said, Dad, I just, I just wish I could trade places with you. Because you don't have to deal with any of the stuff that I'm having to deal with. They didn't see me worrying about what shoes I was going to wear tomorrow. They didn't see me worrying or stressed out about grades. They didn't see me all. But, and it was absolutely, and you parents will know this, it was absolutely futile to try to talk to them about having to pay a mortgage and having to make a car payment and pay the insurance or all the bills. Any parents in the room today? Because to them, the pain they were feeling at that moment seemed greater than any pain anybody else was feeling, including, including their dad. They thought my, my uphill climb was much easier than theirs. But I think we all tend to do that. We all tend to be so sensitive to our uphill climb and to what life is like for us and our struggles and our issues that we can almost minimize the issues of others at times because it's our uphill climb that concerns us. I found a quote from John Maxwell that I thought was very fitting. He said this, everything worthwhile is uphill. Would you say that's true? Everything worthwhile is uphill. And the only way to get to the top of a mountain is to go uphill. I told you this would be profound today, right? So my challenge to you today is this. Whether you're musical or not, I think every one of us need to write a new song. I think you need to write a new song of ascent. 
I think you need some new lyrics today. Because here's the reality for us. Anytime you're stuck in life or you find yourself not only maybe not stuck but descending in, in life or you feel like you're in a very low place, that's the time you've got to be very careful because in those circumstances, we are writing the lyrics to a song which we profess with our mouth, with our heart, with our thoughts, and with our emotions. But when we look at the Psalms of Ascent, we learn that it matters. It makes a difference what we are declaring as we are walking uphill, and we have to be very careful. So whether metaphorically or whether literally, I'm asking you to consider this week, literally, as an assignment, and I'm, I mean it, to consider writing a new song, getting a new set of lyrics for your life and for your uphill climb. You write your own song of ascent. Now, please don't send it to me to arrange and orchestrate, okay? <laughs> if you need that to be done, you can send it to Brent at BethesdaCommunityChurch.com. He'll be more than happy to help you, I'm sure. I'm going to be in so much trouble for that, man. But I'm serious about the fact that some of us literally need to get out pen and paper over the next few days and intentionally declare the goodness of God in the song that you're going to write. No matter where you are in, this, in your process of, of ascension. Because the idea behind these psalms of ascent, oh, I love this. The idea behind these psalms of ascent is this. It, they, they teach us that we can have a song that bubbles up within us, that rises up within us regardless of our circumstances and regardless of the trials we face. Anybody grateful for that today? I'm going to talk a little more a little later about this rising up thing, and the song that bubbles up within you. So let me give you four simple ideas. If you're a note taker, this is a good time to, to do that. If not, you still probably should. But let me give you four simple ideas for you to ponder while you start the process of writing your new song, your song of ascent, as you are in your uphill climb step by step. The first idea is this. Your feet will follow your focus. Say that with me. I bet you remember the day when you were learning to drive a car, I certainly do, either learning from your mom or your dad or whoever had the most grace to try to teach you to drive a car, either from your parents or from driver's education. I clearly remember learning to drive at night and being told, this was by my dad, I remember this, being told, you see that car coming right here, right towards you with their headlights on? Whatever you do, don't look at those headlights. Who, who was taught that? Anybody else? Don't look at those headlights, but rather keep your focus straight ahead of you so that you are sure to stay in your lane. Now, why? Because, because if you focus on those headlights, you will naturally begin to drift that way, and that's not a good idea. Why is that? Because whatever you are focused on is that which you will drift toward. Am I right about it? Your feet will follow your focus. Say it again. Now, let's just tuck that away for a second. You're going to need that in a minute. Before we can really talk about ascending the hill, before we can talk about climbing your mountain, we need to first talk about, are you on the right mountain? 
Do you know if you're on the right mountain? You need to make sure you are ascending the right mountain in the first place. There's a great quote from Francis Chan, many of you know him and his teaching. It says this, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but our greatest fear should be of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Your greatest fear shouldn't be failure. How many people are afraid of failure? That should not be. Your greater fear should be of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. So many people spend so much of their lives trying to climb the ladder of success. Whatever it is, whether it's influence or the ladder of their career or the ladder of their, you know, their job, their, their, their money, whatever they're, they're climbing. But before you start climbing your ladder, you need to be sure that it's leaning on the right wall. That you have the ladder in the right place. Otherwise, you will spend your entire life climbing a ladder only to get to the top and realize that you had your ladder on the wrong wall the whole time. By the way, never let success get to your head. And also, never let failure get to your heart. Did anybody ever hear someone say, failure is not final in God? Anybody ever hear that? I did for about 33 years. Never let success get to your head and never let failure get to your heart. How many think that's a good idea? Your feet will follow your focus. Isaiah said it this way. People with their minds set on you you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and they don't quit, even when it's uphill, even when it's a struggle. I will keep my focus set upon the Lord. Verse 4, depend, upon, depend on God and keep at it, because in the Lord God you have a sure thing. And the writer to the Hebrews says the same thing in another way. He says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by what? Have you figured out that when I put that in yellow, that's your part, okay? <laughs> Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. On any ascension process, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the only thing worth summiting, Bethesda. He's the only thing worth following, so we keep our eyes fixed upon him. Now, I said I wasn't going to exegete these individual psalms, and I'm not, but I do want to look at the first verse of a couple of them. The very first one, Psalm 120, verse 1, says this, in my distress, okay, already in three words, he's told us where he's starting. He's starting at the bottom. He says he's basically, he's letting us know he's starting at a very low place. In my distress, uh, this is not a good place. I'm at the bottom of this climb. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. I fixed my eyes upon him, and he heard me. I said, and he heard me. The very next psalm of ascent is Psalm 121, and its first verse says this. I will... From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. And by the way, he's the one who made the heavens and the earth. I think he can help me. 
The psalmist is helping us declare the truth that we are starting our ascension from a very low place. And that may be you today. You're starting at a low place. You're struggling. You're distressed. You're discouraged. Uh, Things are not going well. This is not a fun time. But he says this, but I'm going to fix my focus because my feet are going to follow my focus. I'm going to fix my focus knowing that my feet will follow. And one of the biggest keys to writing your new song that you're going to write this week is this. Please understand, if you are not careful, you will allow your distress to write your lyrics instead of your hope. It needs to be your hope and that which you are focused on, which gives you the lyrics to write and not your distress. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence come my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And when you set your eyes on Christ Jesus, then no matter what angle you look at that mountain, what side you look at that mountain from, it may be daunting and intimidating on this side. Let's go look at it from the other side if I can get there. No matter when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, no matter what angle you look at the mountain, you will see Christ. Hallelujah. So you're on your journey. You're on your ascension. And the second idea for you to consider is this. Find a summit in each step. Would you say that for me, please? What do I mean by that? Well, I, I simply have to ask you, what is your summit? What is your summit? What is your high point? What is it that energizes and and excites you? If Christ is your summit, then every step you take is a summit. Now stay with me here. If Christ is your summit, if he is the high point, if he is that which energizes and excites you, then every step you take of this climb is a summit. Let me try to say it another way. I don't think you're tracking with me. If wealth is your summit, then you will spend your whole life trying to take steps of becoming wealthy. You'll make every decision in that regard. But the problem with wealth is this. There is no summit. There is no landing place. When you were young, $100 seemed about to be about the, probably the largest sum of money you could comprehend in, in your mind. That was, that was a, a big goal to have $100. And now, as an adult, you've learned that $100 probably doesn't go quite as far as you thought it did when you were a child. Am I right about that? Yes. You probably need a few of those $100 bills just to pay your mortgage and your, or your rent every month. Because wealth is a moving target. There is no summit. Now, that does not mean that wealth is wicked. It does not mean that wealth is evil. If your summit is Jesus, and if Jesus is your summit, every step you take is a summit because Christ meets you, Bethesda, at every step. That's a great place for a hallelujah. And we need to realize that Christ is the summit where your feet are. And that means right here, right now, in the present Today on this Sunday, not just tomorrow, not someday, right at this very moment, which is, which is why it assures us we have the presence, we have the power, we have the provision, 
uh, everything we have need of from God because he is our summit right now. That's why the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day. Discouraged? Maybe. Downhearted? Possibly. Things haven't happened the way I planned? Most, that's true for most of us. But guess what the Bible does? says? No matter of all that, this is the day. Because Christ is your summit. This is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, I have more than enough reason to say, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because Jesus, you're with me. And every step I take is a new summit. So I'll rejoice in the place that I am today. And I'm going to trust you with my tomorrow. Let's be reminded of what we read in Psalm 46. You know this so well. God is our refuge and strength. Uh, in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. But this is an uphill climb, Dan. It's treacherous. It's dangerous. I'm not sure I've got the energy to make it. But we will not fear even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And though its waters roar and be troubled. Though it's the mountains shake with its swelling. When we look at the, uh, this idea of climbing the mountain. And we see our spiritual journey as that climb. Here's what I want you to, to recognize today. That right now, sitting here in this room today, you're right in the middle of your uphill climb. You're in the middle of it right now. Watching online, you're in the middle of your up. You're right in the middle of it. What do you mean by that? I mean, thank God, we're not what we used to be. We're not where we used to be. I'm not down there at the bottom at the moment. I've climbed something, but we're not what we're going to be. We're not where we're going to be. Right now, you and I are right in the middle of it, and we're climbing by the grace of God. Furthermore, you and I have to decide, while I'm on this climb, what song am I going to sing? What's my song as I climb this mountain? I'm going to ask you, what song are you singing? while you're in the middle of your climb right now. Which brings me to my third point, and that is this. Your elevation should not determine your adoration. Would you say that for me, please? Your elevation should not determine your Now, I don't want you to get too excited because the musicians are coming back. That does not mean this sermon is over with. It means I'm just getting it started really good. And they're coming right at the right time I've asked them to because we're going to do something a little different today. Your elevation should not determine your adoration. You can write whatever lyrics you want to write in your song of ascent, but if it doesn't contain that idea, then I would suggest it's not a true song of ascent. Because when you read all of these psalms of ascent, 120 through 134, what you will find laced all through them is adoration. What you will see in every one of them is praise and worship. I'm not where I want to be yet, God. And I think every one of us would raise our hand to that. But regardless of that, my life is not perfect. There's this kind of messy place and this yucky place that's happening. I don't want, I don't, I'm not where I want, but I am going to praise you anyway. I'm in a low place. I'm distressed, maybe depressed. I'm struggling, but even so, in the midst of that, 
I'm going to find that thing that you're talking about, that bubbling up thing, that something rising up within me. And how does that happen, something rising up within you? It happens by worshiping Jesus. It happens by declaring how great he is, what a wonderful God he is to us. And I don't think any song says it any better than this one. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear here's what you do praise the lord he can work through those who praise him praise the lord yes today what are you gonna sing sit down what song are you gonna sing you're on an uphill climb it's tough it's difficult tiring exhausting pulls on every muscle you've got 
pulls on your emotions. What song are you going to sing? You're going to lift your voice. You see, in a sense, church, worship is like removing the lid on us so that God can fill us. That's why we say so often, we do not worship based upon our circumstances. Anybody can do that. Come on. Anybody can worship when they're on top of the mountain. That takes no faith at all. It is far more critical how we respond when we're in the lowly place, when we're in the struggle, when we're in the valley. And you can say, praise the Lord in that moment from the depths of your soul. That's why we say, my lips will praise him, rich or poor, happy or sad, lamenting or rejoicing. Whether there's enough money at the end of the month or whether you have way too much month at the end of the money. Whatever your circumstances are today, you can lift your voice in adoration and praise. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what your emotions are saying. My lips will praise him. His praise will ever be on my lips. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord. When? I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let those, oh my goodness, who are helpless take heart. Do not raise your hand, but I wonder if we have any helpless in the room today. Let those who are helpless take, let those who are poor take heart. Let those who are weak take heart. Let those who are in need, those who are lowly, let them take, let the sick take heart. Let the heartbroken, let the disappointed, the angry, the frustrated, let them take heart. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what a song of ascent is. A song of ascent is the ability to rise above my fear, rise above my emotions, rise above my circumstances. Not because you called your closest friend and you got to vent there and they talked you off the ledge. Uh uh. Not because you watched something on YouTube that inspired you. That was great. No, no, no. This is 1 Samuel 30 when David comes back and the armies have plummeted everything and taken away all the women and children and they wanted to kill David. But the Bible says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I wonder how he did that. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they're going to drop powerless behind you when you praise him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I believe that David had a song of ascent. Are you with me? That rose up within him. Bubbled up within him. Rose up. And I'm just wondering, where is the person this morning in this house who will say, the circumstances of my life are not going to determine when the play button is going to be hit on my song of ascent? Ah! No, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Church, we cannot stop praising him. So here's what I would just say. 
We need to find that way to let the song of ascent rise within us. Where is that, that effervescent, that flowing thing? Let, let it rise, let it rise. Let it rise within you in faith, let it rise. Let the glory of the Lord sing it. That's what happens. Let the praises of my King rise. Rise among us. Let it rise. That's what I'm talking about. Bubbling up from deep within your soul. exercise today, aren't you? You know, I've said this often before, but anytime I preach on the Psalms, I think very few times this isn't true. You'll find the first part is like venting, pouring out your heart. Man, it's woe is me. It's tough, really, really tough. And then Turn on a dime. It's that same thing that I'm challenging you with today. What is it within you? What can you find within you that suddenly in the midst of that, I know it's gloom, despair, and agony on you. I know that. I had those days. But in the midst of that, let me just tell you, you serve a God who wants to infuse you with power, with strength, with newness, with, with, with vision with what he has called, everything you need for what he has called you to do. So David said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then the song bubbled up. Put your hope in God. Why are you downcast? Why you got your face in the mud? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Even with that one little verse, we find the song of ascent and the reason, the purpose behind the song of ascent. I'm in a low place, but I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Look to the hills, but I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. Oh, how I love reading in Scripture those who knew what it was, knew how to find it within themselves to let the song of ascent as they're climbing rise within them. Let me show you another one where you can literally see the very moment that the song arises. The book of Lamentations, we think, was probably written by Jeremiah, says this, I cry out, my splendor is gone. 
You hear the woe is me part? Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget how bad this is. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And here it is. But yet, but yet, somebody needs to get a but yet in your soul this morning. I still dare to hope when I remember this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. I say to myself, oh, that's your part. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Now, come on. Let's look at this honestly. He doesn't feel like it. He doesn't feel like it. He doesn't feel like God is good when he's singing this song. You mean I can sing praise when I don't, when I don't even feel like God's good? Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like God's good when he's singing this song but he'd had enough smarts to allow the song of ascent to rise within him. And I would argue with you that any and everyone who has ever done anything great for God, every great pastor, every great evangelist, every great church leader I have ever known, they have developed the ability to allow the song of ascent to rise within them. My pastor friend that I talked with yesterday, in the name of Jesus, let hope come into your soul today. Let the song of ascent rise within you. Sure, discouragement's real. I'm going to praise him on the mountain, but I'm going to praise him when the mountain is in my way. For my God, you are just as good in the valley as you are on the mountain. But we're not naive. <clears throat> there are times when your mountain literally feels like it cannot be climbed. Some of you are in that situation this morning. And you may have climbed to a certain point only to find yourself sliding back down. Right down to the bottom. And you climbed again. And you got to a certain point. <clears throat> slid right back down. I know that doesn't happen in Bethesda, but it happens in some places. I hear, I hear Oklahoma, that that happens in Oklahoma. <laughs> and you climb again, and you climb again, only to slide back down, and it's happened repeatedly. And there does come a point when you're ready to give up on that mountain. It's not like you quit in the middle of it. It's just that you slid back down to the bottom and you just don't have what it takes to get back up. So what do we do when that happens? Well, here's what I have for you today. 
If you climbed and climbed and climbed again and you keep sliding back down to the bottom, here's what I would say by the power and strength of the Spirit of God within me. Do not be discouraged simply because of this one thing. You serve a mountain-moving God. We have some fabulous neighbors around us in our neighborhood. On the one side is a delightful Indian couple with their gorgeous little year-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And then Susan Adams from our church is in the house next to them. But on the other side of our house, next door, is an incredible young Chinese family with two handsome young sons. One is, I think he's about 12, and the younger one is not quite five yet. The dad travels a lot internationally in his work, and the young mother works as well. They're both very successful. So what happened was they had need of help, and um, her, the wife of the house, her retired father, moved here about a year and a half ago from Shanghai to help take care of the boys. He's obviously a very loving grandfather. He speaks less Chinese than I speak English. No, he speaks less English than I speak Chinese. Do you know how much Chinese I speak? Nada. And he's got less English than that. So we've learned how to wave, nod, and sometimes a little sign language to, you know. He seems to spend almost as much time outside with the boys as they spend on the inside, particularly the younger one who's not yet in school. This grandfather has taught the young boy to ride a bicycle in the last few weeks and months. And not too long ago, we had a glorious day. The training wheels came off, and it was a big, big, big day. So he, the grandfather takes them on long walks in the neighborhood and takes them fishing in the nearby pond. And one day here, not too long ago, I was outside getting our mail from our mailbox, and the boy was on his bike with his little protective helmet, and the, the grandfather was right with him every step of the way. He was holding the back end of the bike while running along behind the boy just to be sure he was steadied. They went running right past me, and I gave some celebrated response. You know, that's really great. Oh, that little four-year-old boy was so proud, almost five. And then I stood there to watch as they went past me to kind of down to the end there and turned around, and and, and they came back. And when they came back, the little four-year-old boy who speaks great English, he was obviously feeling a great sense of accomplishment. And he yelled out, oh, I'm big. I ride my bike. I'm a man. But to my eyes, standing at my mailbox, I saw a little boy gloriously riding his bicycle, successfully riding his bicycle. But I saw a loving grandfather running right along behind him, steadying his way, keeping the boy in balance and making sure he was safe. And suddenly, I see that they're about to come to some piece of debris that got into the street somehow, like lid to a garbage can or something. That if the boy were to hit it, it would have obviously caused him to topple over. And I watched as that grandfather now, you know, he's my age, maybe plus a little, he's running, hello. I'm more in shape than Pastor Brent is. 
Not really. He's running behind the boy, but he sees that up ahead. You know what he did? He ran ahead now of the boy, and he kicked that thing out of the way so that there would be no harm to the boy at all. Now, you understand, I cannot converse with that grandfather, but his actions surely spoke a language that I understood loud and clear. As I watched that, I thought, I have a father who goes before me. I have a father who is steadying my way. He's behind me and before me. And if the mountain gets in my way, he's my mountain-moving God. Therefore, what shall I fear? Therefore, whom shall I fear? Why would I dread this day or tomorrow? Because if God be for me, who can be against me? I've watched that grandfather enough to know nothing's going to harm that boy. That grandfather will move whatever mountain he has to move to protect that young man and his, and his brother. It is such a picture of what our Heavenly Father does for us. Here we are today, climbing a mountain. Is it uphill? Yes. But that mountain, folks, is there to challenge us also to become better fathers, better mothers, better children, better co-workers, better Christians, and most of all, greater lovers of Jesus. And while your, while your situation may be extremely tough today, my brother, my sister, I want you to rest in the promise of what we said a moment ago. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You can take that to the bank. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. And the same thing God said to Joshua is the same thing he's saying to you and me today. Be strong and take courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord will go before you and he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And as you climb your mountain, let us also remember, as you're standing at whatever place you are in your journey, you're somewhere in the middle of it, and you're looking up at that mountain that looks so high and so daunting and so impossible, let's remember what God said to Zerubbabel in the book of Zechariah. He said, it is not by might. Are you looking up at your mountain? Fear comes into your heart because you're, you're looking at that in terms of your own strength, but God said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. And then he goes on in that same chapter four, he says, and what are you, almighty mountain? You think you scared me? What are you, almighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become Level ground. Our God is the God who can come and move any mountain that he thinks you cannot climb. Don't ever forget, yes, you're climbing your mountain. And God will allow that song of ascent to rise within you. But if God needs to, he's fully capable of moving that mountain. Psalm 97.5 says, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Bethesda, this is our God we're talking about. I said this is our God we're talking about. Are you glad you have a mountain-moving God? Life is easy. 
When you're up on the mountain Oh, you've got peace of mind Like you've never known oh. But then things change You're down in the valley Oh, don't lose faith for You're never alone And the God of close. I just need a couple more minutes, if you'll stay with me, to taking, I'm take, closing by taking you to the very last of the Psalms, or the Songs of Ascent, the ones 134, three short verses. 
We used to sing this, Karen, you'll remember. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 3 says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made the heaven and the earth. Don't forget that part. That says a lot about our God. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now what the psalmist says, when we come before the Lord in this last of the Psalms of Ascent, we come to bless him. Come bless the Lord. I hope every time you drive up Beach Street, you come to this house, something wells up within you. I'm going to the house of the Lord, to the gathering of the people of God. And we're gonna lift our hands and our voices together. My dear friend Randy talked to me yesterday. He asked me, have I preached on lessons so? I said, I don't know, you've preached so much, I have no idea what you preached. <laughs> the reciprocity of faith. This is why the gathering of the people of God is so important. It's the reciprocity of faith. That I may have a day when my faith is strong today. But even if it's not strong, there's times I sit here and look up in that choir and I know what many of them are facing. When I see tears streaming down their cheeks and I see hands lifted and I see them hauling off and singing with every fiber of their being, I know that inspires my faith. It's the reciprocity of faith, one to another. We need that. We come to bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. But then verse three, I'm gonna bless him. His praise will continue to be my mouth regardless of where I am in my ascent. But then it says, but may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. I think I see some reciprocity going on right there. And he wants to do that this morning. And in that spirit, I want to close this service by declaring some words of blessing and admonition over you today. I need a little music to help me of some kind. Anyone who would like to receive the words of blessing or admonition I want to give, I'm going to ask you to stand all over this house, wherever you are. Now you can take whichever one you want. Any, any of the blessing or any admonition. I haven't targeted anybody. It is still not true. Um, people say, did you find out about, did you read my mail this week when you, no, I didn't. The Holy Spirit knew what was going on. I don't target anybody from this pulpit. But here's what I would say to some of you who would receive this. Recognize where your feet are today. You're in a climb. But where your feet are, where your feet are, it's the same place where you're going to find his feet right there with you. He is 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 with you. Somebody else, be strong and take courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord will go before you. The Lord is with you. Those of you who need courage and need to have fear eradicated. Somebody else, at this moment you are standing at the summit of where you should be standing. You didn't think so. You walked into this room not thinking that. 
but you are standing at the summit of where you should be standing and there is no striving in his presence. In fact, where you are standing, regardless of what it looks like to you, smells like to you, acts like to you, where you are standing, you are standing on holy ground. That might be a good one to sing, I don't know. You're standing on holy ground because the Lord is with you. He is your summit. Somebody else. Be bold and courageous in your faith. Do not run from the cost of this season that you are currently in. James chapter 1 says, let perseverance do its perfect work. And to the person who's really trying, Pastor I'm just trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, so very hard, I want you to lean back in this. It's not by might. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Lean into that as hard as you can today. And to the person who has recently had this thought, you know, maybe my family would be better off without me. Maybe this world would be better off without me. I stand before you to boldly declare that as a lie from the pits of hell, There's not a bit of truth to it. It is a lie from Satan himself. God has a purpose and a design for your life. There is more to your story yet to be written. And you're not the one that's going to write it. He's the one who's going to write it. So do not quit. Do not quit. Do not quit. Let the Lord write your next chapter, not you. We are standing on the holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. So let us pray. Hold on. 
I wish we could have you come around the front. Hopefully that day is soon. We can do that. Oh, how I hope. But if you will text the word decision to 817-693-1693, whether you are accepting Christ or you simply want someone to pray with you, would you reach out to us that way? Even if you're in the house today, just text that word decision to that number, 817-693-1693, and allow the pastors to minister to you. That's why we're here. It's why we do what we do. There's no greater joy than to pray with someone and lead them to Jesus or point them back to Jesus. So, Father, this is your day. We are rejoicing in it because our God is a good God. You are a mountain-moving God, and we give you praise for that today. Let your people go from this place inspired. Let them be uplifted. Let them be encouraged. Even on their uphill climb, that you are providing grace step by step by step. And we will give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Prayer service at 6 o'clock. God bless you, church.